Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to the show. This is the Chase Jarvis Live show here on Creative Live. This is the show where I do awesome stuff with awesome people with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career and hobby and in life. Today I'm going to answer two questions uh, originally from my YouTube show, The Daily Creative. Uh, I'm leveraging those questions here over to the podcast. And by the way, if you do have other questions, I'm still taking those questions now via text, however, at 206-309-5177. That's a separate issue. But today I'm answering two what I think are really smart questions. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy these little nuggets of wisdom. Enjoy the show. Hey, Chase. I'm Josh Robbs, a marketing consultant at Rust Belt Webworks. My question is a follow-up to a comment you made in a previous question. How do I balance edgy work with family-friendly stuff? I like it. You gave a great answer, including the, the example of being a designer and a musician. I understand that you have to be one thing. Your brand has to have a handle for people to grab onto, and obviously you can't blend clean family portraits with male nudes. Yes. But can you take something like design and music and combine that into one more interesting thing? Take you, for example. You don't stand out as an entrepreneur. You stand out as the creative entrepreneur. Yep. Did you have to be successful as a creative and separately as an entrepreneur before merging them? Looking forward to your answer. Have a great day. Awesome. Joshua, thank you. That was a tight question. You could tell he was reading off a script. I like that. Not required, not required, but tight question. And I think the thing that I like even more than the mechanism that you used to ask the question is the content. Um, I watch more people struggle with positioning, perhaps, than anything else, including craft. I think there's a, a bunch of people who are amazing at their craft, and this is frankly where art school has completely abandoned most of the creators, where what you learn in, as an entrepreneur or in business school doesn't answer your questions as an entrepreneur, and it's that formal education, and that's like how to, how to position and get shit done in the real world, because I think case studies and the lack of business acumen that they teach in art school. That's A, why Creative Live exists. Um, so I'm glad you called in for the show, but there's also tons of resources there. Um, that being said, there's a, a method to, I think, every person who has achieved some level of success that you pay attention to, whether that's on the internet or you read their books or whatever, and that is some level of mastery of a particular thing. I didn't set out to master creative entrepreneurship. What I did is I set my sights on the thing that was the most important thing in the whole world to me, which I quit all the things that everybody else wanted for me in the world. I dropped out of a career in professional soccer, bailed on medical school, dropped out of a PhD in philosophy to become a photographer. And when I was able to stop doing the things that everybody else wanted for me and focus on the thing that I knew in my heart that I wanted to, that I could relentlessly pursue and I was curious about, passionate about, and I knew that if, if the going got tough that I would be able to push through because I had such a deep appreciation for it. And if you haven't found that thing, that's actually your job right now is to experiment and explore and figure out what that thing you're supposed to be doing is when you find it go in, go all in on that thing. That's not to say throw your, you know, the, your family out the door and your whatever, like you, there's all kinds of other videos where I talk about that, but you have to, a relentless professional focus on that thing. For me, that was photography. And this is a pattern that I see over and over and over. Uh, Tim Ferriss has done a great job documenting this in Tools for Titans. There's a couple of, you know, he, he talks to uh, so many of the world's top performers. I do it on my show, Chase Jarvis Live, 
um, talk to the top performers in the world. Um, and you can deconstruct if you go to any particular person that you follow on the internet or uh, in any of these thought leaders, they have mastered a thing. And in mastering the thing that they care so deeply about, by and large, what, what happens is that you, you learn what it takes to master a thing. And after you have mastered it, done the 10,000 hours, you know, been able to sort of live your dream in that career and, and um, achieve whatever success looks like to you at the degree where you can replicate that success over and over and over, that's mastery. And when you understand mastery, what you have then is the, a blueprint. You have the ability to deconstruct what happened, how you got there, was it was a mix of, of being great at your craft, of knowing the people, of being different, not just better. Of There's all these little things in the solar system around mastery that you can then look at that as a blueprint, lift it, and drop it onto other things. This is the rise, look, look at me. This is, this world right now that we're living in is the rise of the polymath. That is people who can be good at a lot of things. But what I know from personal experience and from talking to hundreds and hundreds of the world's top performers on Chase Jarvis Live is that it all started for all these people with mastering one thing. And so the path to the polymath where you're good at a lot of things is through mastering one thing. And this is what no one will tell you. You can't boil the ocean. You can't do all these things at a 10, 25% level, 50% level and get great at all of them simultaneously. In doing, in focusing on be and becoming one thing, in my case as a photographer, or there's lots of other examples, you are able to understand the concept completely and then lift and stamp it into other areas of your life. That is the secret that no one tells you. And it's not, a, it's not an intentional secret, it's just, it's the way mastery works. Now, when you've mastered something, the cool part is that you can then master things more easily because you've understood the blueprint of what it takes. And the, the plans change for each one, but the components remain largely the same. Um, you know, and then you, know, you can apply, I'll go back to Tim Ferriss, you can apply some of his principles like 80-20. You, don't, you might not need to be the best chess player in the world, but you can learn something very quickly. Like that, again, this is why Creative Live exists. You wanna learn a lot of skills. You can learn that if you learn you know, these 50 things, then you're 80 or 90% competent. You're in the top one, two, five, 10% in the world, but that might be good enough. You don't want to be in the top one or two or three chess players because the difference between 95% and 99.5% is a lifetime of work. But then you can go on and do other things. So to get to your using me as an example, I did all this in photography. And then I realized that through, um, my experiment with Best Camera, which was the world's first iPhone app to share photos to social network, kicked off the global photo sharing craze. That was produced out of my photo studio, which helped me understand what, was, what it was to be an entrepreneur. So it was really through the experience of mastering one thing that I started experimenting to see what my next thing was. And then it was in combining those two things, like, okay, cool, I can see that's a life. But what I really did is I deconstructed success in photography and being an independent artist with a wholly owned um, vision for myself and an audience that I could then focus that on something else. And that was building creative live. So 
that was, then I went all in on building Creative Live, took everything I learned from this, and there's so much value that comes along with you, especially if you're doing something sort of adjacent as I did. It wasn't some, I wasn't learning how to, you know, weld motorcycles. It was learning how to take the folks that wanted to learn a lot about photography and building an education world for them, and then grew that into the larger entrepreneurial thing. So I deconstructed what it took to be successful here and applied it here. And now I can stand back, that's the lens that you're looking at me through right now, is success over here and success over here. And now you're like, oh, that's you know the creative entrepreneur, that's how I'm describing this new era of people who are doing things like what I'm doing. And you know there are so many folks who are, you look at Brene Brown, she started out as a researcher and then she wrote a book and so she's a storytelling researcher. Um, deconstruct the example that you used in me, that's actually what's going on. Um, and I understand that when you're on the outside, deconstructing how this might have happened may be a little bit confusing, but if you use this blueprint, that I'm sharing with you today, you will be able to see it over and over and over and over again. Um, when, if you're El Luna, um, she was a designer. That's how she learned so much about art, and then she wrote an amazing book. And now she's fueled, you know she's put those two things together. If you're Gary V, um, Gary, you know, was a hustler kid, sold um, sold trading cards, used the business acumen that he developed as a sort of a basically a, a street hustler. Uh, applied that to his father's wine business and used the internet to grow leverage there and that's how he created oh my gosh now I'm an entrepreneur now I'm an online entrepreneur and then he's going to take that online thing and deconstruct what worked there and go do that in an agency world so again this is this is a pattern that you see over and over and over I'm hoping that you can take what I've said here look at all kinds of the examples that I've shared and others on your own to figure that out for yourself Hey Chase, my name is Morgan Noland, um, and my question for you, I am an architectural and interiors photographer. Okay. Now I got my start shooting real estate and continue to shoot real estate to this day as probably the majority of the work that I do to keep my business going. Yep. My question for you is, is there, if it exists, is there ever a time in photography career in my career where I should look at it and look at the city that I'm in and say, you know, I've outgrown this city. Yeah. If that does exist, if there is ever a time where a photographer can outgrow their location, do you think it's wise to pick up that business, relocate completely to a larger city where, you know, I might have more architects or more interior designers, more that I could shoot um, and kind of rebuild a business? If so, how would you go about rebuilding that business? If you say, no, Morgan, stay where you are, then how would you go about reaching out? Sure. Because I know I could very well stay here. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good. I could stay here yep. and continue to reach out to Atlanta no, no, and I get Nashville. It. I get it. And if you think that's the wiser decision, how would you go about taking your name and breaching the boundaries of the city that you're in. Great. That's my question for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. If you do, I look forward to hearing your answer. Morgan, awesome question. I love it. Um, there are several things that I love about it, but rather than going into that long list, uh, I'm just going to say it's a great question and you're not alone. I love a couple of things. One that you're now a big fish in, was it Chattanooga? I think it was, yeah, in Chattanooga. You're a big fish in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is exactly what I love to see 
people figuring out what they want to do, applying themselves, and then you're doing the, let's just, I'm going to assume you're doing a lot of the architectural and interior and design photography for your area. And this is true. It doesn't, has nothing to do with photography. To me, this is photography, design, um, even entrepreneurship for, for a little bit, uh, a little bit of the answer here, but, um, that you're a big fish in a smaller pond is fantastic. I, I 100% think that you, when you get to that part in your career, if you still have ambition and passion and you want to keep growing and, and taking your own, your world to the next level, absolutely, what is the level that you, what is a unbelievable dream to have? I think you should set a path for yourself that is like, wow, wouldn't that be so cool if, fill in the blank, that's what would be great to drive at. And then what's the first step? Maybe it's you'd be one of the best architectural photographers in the world. That was one of the things that I wanted to be one of the most act, best action sports photographers in the world, work for all the best brands. And that sounded crazy to me, but it created a series of stepping stones for me to follow on. Um, in this case, if you want to be one of the top architectural photographers in the world, yeah, it makes a ton of sense to move to some of the places where architecture and design and and um, all those things where there's A, a lot of it, B, a lot of people, and C, a thriving community. Because you need to be a part of it. You need to be in the soup. So I would encourage you to move to, say, New York or some other you know, place where you love the architecture, Barcelona, something like that. But here's the, here's the catch, that I don't think you should just, boom, all right, I'm pulling the ripcord and I'm going to New York. It would be fantastic if what you did was transition from being in Chattanooga, Tennessee to doing work for clients in New York. And you know how you got work in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You took your portfolio around. You, you, you were a part of the dialogue of the community. You participated. Do the same in New York. Just do it remotely for a little bit. Go there, you know, Airbnb for a month and meet everybody you can. Say, yeah, I'm moving here. Um, I'm really excited about it. You don't need to give them the details. Show your book to all the people. Go to all the meetups. Do that stuff in the place. Get a gig there, get two gigs, travel out of your own pocket to get there such that when you have enough work, you can then transition. Or if you have a line of sight to it's not quite there, but you can see, you can connect the dots and you have some way to protect the downside to fall back um, so that you've, you've, you, know, you don't put yourself in a really crappy position. I will say that urgency is critical and your willingness to endure pain is also critical to successfully transitioning to that next level. There is another thing that if you're, what I like to do is I like to plant a few seeds, grow a few things, plant a few seeds, harvest a few things, go there, do all this stuff, and then I want you to move there where it's just before it's comfortable, okay? And this is the, you've heard the concept of if you wanna take the island, burn the boats. So. This is where urgency and criticality and accountability and consequences, all these things, the, the psychology is absolutely crystal clear that when you have a higher pressure, you're more likely to do the thing if there's no turning back. So I don't like just, because look at the world's an imperfect place, things change. I don't like just doing that straight off the bat because you might actually not love living in New York. Versus if you made 20 trips there in a year and you got an Airbnb for a month and you saw what it was like and you still loved it, that's when you go before it's comfortable, but you know, or, or rather, yeah, yeah, make yourself uncomfortable. But this transition to the next level is another thing that's not talked about in business schools or art schools. Or I just, it's bizarre to me that more people don't understand that this is actually the way 
to transition. Um, it takes massive action, like moving to New York for a month, or um, you know, going and like reworking your portfolio. Only have your best stuff that would totally win in the New York market. That's the only thing you need to show. Go to New York on your own money. Fund shoots with designers and architects and the best in the world. Do that stuff for no pay, with no one knowing, and then you have that stuff in your book. And then when you're actually doing stuff in New York, you have it. You need to ha- you need to show that you can already do the stuff. People don't take a leap on that stuff. They're not go, oh, I don't see this anywhere in your world, but I'm going to give the job to you anyway. They just don't do that because it's more of a risk to them than it is to you. So this is the way that I think you should do it. Um, think about my answer. Replay this a couple times. This is not just for Morgan. Morgan, that's right. Yeah, it's not just for Morgan. This is for anyone who wants to transition into a different area than you're currently working. If you are a graphic designer and you want to become an experienced designer, or if you are the best um, cello player in um, Sun Valley, Idaho, and you want to you know, make it big in New York, you kind of got to be in New York a little bit. Maybe you can do some additions. You can auditions, additions. You get it. So, all right. I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, That is a wrap on this particular episode of The Daily Creative. Love you guys. Love this community. Keep asking the questions. I'll keep answering them. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away All of that has a collective, massive, positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing for the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.